you don't get to be a big company because you have a good idea. You get to be a big company because you built the processes and the systems that scaled. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. This is going to be a treat because we have not just one special guest, we have three special guests in the same person. His name is Ben Atkinson. He is related to Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, Johnny English. He will deny that in person, but I will go ahead and uh, I'll open and let the cat out of the bag. So Ben, pumped that you let me know that. He's also really fly because he is into falconry. So this will be the most interesting person I have yet to meet, sit down with over a nice uh, cup of, well, we're not drinking coffee, so water, here in our, our room at Awesome Inc., joined by probably the best human being I've ever met named Liz Brown Evans. Wanted to throw that in there, now she's laughing. But guys, this is really special. I'm talking longer because we are going to dive into a series that is focusing on innovation, but also with an external partner, potentially at a company named Toyota. But Awesome Inc. has a really cool opportunity to start branching out and working with corporate innovation. And that is where Liz, I'm going to have you hop in here and talk about what Venture Labs is and how Awesome Inc. wants to have a new presence in our community. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey guys, I am Liz. I'm our Director of Marketing at Awesome Inc. And I'm also building our newest program called Venture Labs along with Mike Hilton. So Venture Labs, easiest way of explaining it, it's the newest program out of Awesome Inc. that's helping corporate companies stay innovative. So as we build relationships with corporate companies, a lot of them kind of explain the difficulty of innovation. There can be too many ideas with no real channel to develop them. There's risk concerns, communication issues. The list goes on and on. Ben's going to tell a lot of a lot of those today. Um, but at Venture Labs, we're taking Awesome Inc.'s 10 years. Actually, it's 11 years. 11 years. 11 years. You're right. Happy, happy late birthday. It's okay. Awesome Inc. If you didn't get the card we sent you. COVID, it's, COVID-19. It's, it's in the mail 2020 somewhere. 2020 <laughs> has been for the birds. We didn't send birthday cards. So 11 years of working with startups and really understanding what it actually looks like to create and test, implement new ideas, which is what entrepreneurs do every day. We are taking that experience and helping corporate companies think and act more like entrepreneurs. Mm, that's good. So a big part of my job at Venture Labs, more specifically, is building a community of people who nerd out about innovation as much as we do. And I can assure you, our guest today is one of those people. I think you put that in the LinkedIn message you sent us <laughs> when you originally reached out. Um, so yeah, as Garrett said, we're going to build sort of a mini series around innovation. I'm excited to bring a lot of kind of our best friends at Venture Labs onto the show. And um, I'm excited to introduce you to our first guest in the series. So with us today is Ben Adkinson. In, um, an innovation engineer at Toyota, which some of you might have heard of. Honestly, if you didn't have like a beat up Camry in your childhood that somehow never died, <laughs> I don't know that I can connect with you as a person. My grandfather gave his to my father, which That's then special. I drove, I think, to my first date. I digress. So Ben, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what your role is at Toyota? Thank you so much, Liz and Garrett. Delighted to be here. Really excited to talk with the folks at Awesome Inc. It's exactly what I think a lot of corporations in the Kentucky region need 
is a, a partner with you all because you all are pursuing innovation with so many interesting companies. And, uh, and I, I see Toyota as, as connecting with you all to extend our innovation ecosystem. Um, we need that. Um, I will talk later about why large organizations really need that. Um, but I'm just delighted to be here. I, um, I wasn't always wearing the brand innovator. Okay. Um, so back oh, about 2000, um, I was in healthcare. I was leading product development. I was doing some R and D. We were so bad at innovation. <laughs> um, and it was just so painful that it sort of became like my mission to find out how can an organization do innovation effectively? That was the time that uh, Clayton Christensen was writing about the innovator's uh, dilemma. And so I, I just started reading everything I could about innovation and have continued doing that. So I'm glad to be sitting with some innovation nerds that I can I can talk it, to at this level. It brought you to it's a so podcast kind. room. It did. To talk about innovation. <laughs> who, who could have known? I love it. Well, hey, so we're going to go ahead and dive on in, but real quickly to walk you through what you're going to be listening to. This first episode, it's going to be about innovation as a system and a system as a whole. Ben's going to walk us through some of his processes. Next, we'll follow that with the work at the beginning and at the beginning of the end and how those look different. And then lastly, the styles of problem solving because everyone has their own flavor. So how to do things better at different parts of a process. And with that, Liz, take it away. Garrett, thank you. You're so, so welcome. Ben, let's let's talk about innovation, obviously. Um, but here's the thing, it's become such jargon we can throw it around all the time, but we really want to be as practical as we can both today and in, in the, in this series. So how would you actually define innovation for, for the people in the back, if you will? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, and you're right. There's so much jargon. Innovation has become a buzzword um, to the point where it's almost meaningless. Unless you first go ahead and define your terms, you can't even have a conversation around innovation. So when I'm thinking about innovation, um, it's not the same as what we do every day at Toyota, which is Kaizen or continuous incremental improvement. Um, some people will call that a sustaining innovation, but that is, uh, uh, I think, better defined under the term continuous improvement. Um, innovation, the the non-Japanese term, yes, if you will. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, and so innovation is the, the bigger leap. And um, I, I think one of my favorite books, just beautifully illustrated, I, I imagine that an illustrated book on innovation they, management. They, they make this? Uh, yeah. Uh, a wonderful uh, uh, professor now, Luis Perez Breva, wrote a book called um, Innovating, A Doer's Manifesto. And I know you'll have this link in the show notes. Well worth your time. But his, his definition, if I can paraphrase, is um, just bringing people and parts together to solve a big problem in a new way. And so we're, we're, we're usually looking at big problems. We're not wanting to get another um, 2% increase in productivity. We're talking about solving a big complex problem. And while I like uh, his definition, I think it's not complete unless we start talking about um, sort of systems thinking and systems thinking and the limits to systems. And we do that at Toyota all the time. We talk about systems. And when we think about innovation, you can think about anything in your life and think of it as a system, whether it's the economy, whether it's um, your product, or um, you know, whether it's your manufacturing system. Everything can be thought of as a system. And it's useful to um, understand that all systems have limits. 
That's why um, you know beanstalks don't grow to the sky, and and lizards don't grow big enough to destroy Tokyo. <laughs> Thank God. Yes, <laughs> it's because <laughs> biological systems have limits. Well, your um, your product as a system it has a limit to how much to, to where it can go, regardless of what performance parameter you're talking about. And if we were happen to be talking about a vehicle manufacturing system, there is an upper limit to how many vehicles we can produce with this system in a given location. So um, when we're talking about limits to systems, if we recognize there is an upper limit, we also have to recognize that when you get to that upper limit, continuous improvement can't take you any further. It's a limit. And so I think about it, if a, if a new product is launched, um, the, the, the main goal of everyone working on that product is just make it work, right? And I think about mobile telephony. So I remember when mobile telephones came out, okay? That's how old I am. Um, and they were as large as a suitcase and they had a two hour battery life. And the dropped call was the rule, not the exception, okay? And the now, antennas, I just yeah, remember oh my, the, huge the antennas, antennas everywhere. Right, and, and their use case was on the extreme. I mean, you know, police officers and, and people who had to have ways to communicate were, were who were using these devices. But the goal for all those mobile phone manufacturers back then was just make this system work. And I call that the, the attaining, you know. It's got to attain its promise that it's making. So everybody's trying to make it work, but then it starts to work. And then all these people working on mobile telephones were doing the, main, the maintaining, keeping the system working, and also the sustaining, which is those, the incremental improvement. And you saw how rapidly mobile telephone technology improved. It climbed, it climbed up this S-shaped curve, which you're probably all you know, familiar with. The S-shaped curve is used to describe the life cycle of almost any system or any product. And so um, innovation is when you're at the top of that S and you can't make any more incremental improvement. You've got to make a leap, a breakthrough to the next system and start your S curve over. So I think it's important to think about innovation as a system is following this S curve up the, up the uh, climbing up the S, hitting the peak, and then making that jump to another S curve. And a uh, uh, brilliant innovator named Daryl Mann um, has written a lot about this, and and uh, um, I'm sure you'll refer to his book in your show notes. Um, so the limits to systems tell us what kind of work we should be doing and at what time. Hmm. And so the, I think the trick is of being able to evaluate the system you're working on. And there, there are all sorts of tools for evaluating your product or evaluating your business system strategically to see where you are hmm. on that S-curve. Because if you're at the bottom of the S-curve, now's not the time for your breakthrough idea. Now's the time for the people who can actually make the system work and keep improving it and keep improving it and keep improving it. So those people may be different people then you want to bring to your system when it's near the top of the S curve and you need that breakthrough idea. Is this almost where sometimes you see like a, a CEO switch out of, you know, maybe you were able to lead the company till now. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't have that skill set anymore. Now it's now it's time for the next leadership or even leadership change. Is is that sort of tricky to figure out when that happens? Um, yeah, I think it is for lots of companies. And so when you see those senior leadership changes, that tells you probably that that leadership or that leadership team wasn't aware <laughs> of, of where they were in the system yeah. or they weren't able to organize the team to work on the system at the right time. 
there's a time for maintaining and, and, and Kaizen, but there's also a time for breakthrough. And if you don't know where you are in your system's life cycle, then you may not build the right team, bring that team uh, hmm. uh, to the problem at the right time. Sure. What does this look like at, at Toyota as an example? Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. Um, it, it's kind of like a, a new company, every model change. Um, <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is when we launch a major model change, um, lots of things change in, a, in the plant. Um, the process has changed. And just to be clear, for us mm-hmm. non-car, major model changes like a, a new RAV4, or mm-hmm. is that like we just launched the Lexus right. for the uh, first time? The, the, the major model change is an existing vehicle, um, but we've made some significant changes to it. Okay. Changed the platform, significant changes to the styling. Um, you know, different, different things have been done to improve performance and aesthetics and all that. All major model change means is a lot has changed. And when a lot has changed, a lot changes on the factory floor. The equipment's different. The processes are different. And so um, I think of, of the life cycle of a given model um, uh, as an S-curve. So when we first launch uh, the new Camry or the new RAV4, everybody is focused on making that assembly line work. Mm. We just got to get it to work. And, uh, and we do, of course. And then we start using our Kaizen methodology to improve incremental improvements, improvements all the time, as well as our maintenance teams that keep it running. So um, that's how the, the, the vehicle launch starts. Then over time, we make improvements, make improvements to our productivity. But there comes a point where we hit the top and we can't get faster with our current system. And so that's a lot of the work we're doing now is what sort of technology, what sort of partners do we need to take this manufacturing system that we've been improving for 30 years and jump to the next system. So those are the kind of breakthroughs we're thinking about now, which, you know, obviously involve the buzzwords that we hear all the time, computer vision, machine learning, advanced robotics, and things like that. How do we arrange those parts and the right people together to create that next system, next manufacturing system? Yeah, if you don't mind, one thing that you said that struck me is you have a system that's been in place for 30 years and how how difficult it will be for people to want to make any change because if it's not broken, why try and fix it? Excellent point, Garrett. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no worries. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any large organization that has been optimizing their system for as long as we have in North America, Toyota, um, is going to have a lot of difficulty making the shift to change radically to a new system. Mm. And And that's baked into so many large organizations. You don't get to be a big company because you have a good idea. You get to be a big company because you built the processes and the systems that scaled. Well, the mindsets and the work that goes into um, building processes and systems at scale are not often the same mindsets and skills you need to find a solution that exists outside the current system. And that is, uh, that's, that is the, um, the holy grail of, of the ambidextrous organization that we hear in the business literature today. How do you become the ambidextrous organization? And, and it's a struggle we're facing. It's a struggle lots of big organizations are facing. Some have succeeded, and you know, we want to be one of those. So we're, we're, that's why we're talking with innovation nerds right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine that is a tough sell to make is when is where you are in that S curve. And I know we'll get into that in a bit, but I'd, I love, I love the thought of um, how you, even just the S curve in my mind that the, the bottom of the S curve and the top is this like 
excitement, energy. It's that entrepreneur. It's that like, we're growing, we're growing, we're growing, we're growing. And then by the time you're at the top, it almost feels, maybe it's not, but it feels like the boring time when like now we've improved. And then that's when you have to convince everyone mm -hmm. it, it's time to get exciting again. Liz, I got to point out the, your comment about boring <clears throat> because that's true. It is for many people. And in, I'm sure in a little bit, we'll, we'll talk about problem solving style because it's not boring for everyone. But if you put the wrong people there, you're going to lose them or they are going to be bored. Did I just um, self-identify as, as, as a right I, I or wrong think, person? <laughs> I think I can, I can tell where you lie on the adapter innovator scale. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. <laughs> sure, sure. No, that's, uh, that's really helpful. Um, well, how close are we to the matrix? Also, you mentioned, you mentioned AI. That, that's what I need to know really quick before we move on. Cause the, that movie terrified me. <laughs> oh, the, the, the matrix. We, um, hmm. I would have to say we're, we're quite a ways away. I believe, um, I haven't talked to Elon Musk recently, recently sure. um, but I, I am in line to get the port in the back of my head. So, <laughs> hey, now um, that they dropped the price, yeah. I'm, I may be in business. <laughs> port me up. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I need my brain to do a lot of things. It's not very good at it. And, and so I'm hoping he can help. Ben, I want this to be a humble brag, please. <laughs> you know, people throw around that, you know, the average human uses like, what, 10% of their brain. What do you think you use? Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to turn this back around and, and say it depends on what task you've assigned me. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, if it's boring uh, or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> great. Um, but but uh, you know that's really a great point, Gary, because um, we don't often think about our teams and their cognitive styles. Hmm. And, and I know we'll pick this theme up in a little bit. But leaders, if they're going to be successful in managing that ambidextrous organization or creating that ambidextrous organization, have to think about how people use their brains and what, how they can line them up with the right tasks at the right time. So, Liz, I know we're about to transition to the next episode. Do you want to give a quick recap of what, what we learned? Because that was a lot to download. I feel like I'm being quizzed in front of the teacher. This is... <laughs> This is stressful. Uh, no, I think I think what you what, what is helpful to me, especially as we talk to so many corporate companies at Venture Labs and both managers and employees, is is a lot of times there's just a lack of the language of of how to talk about the frustrations of innovation. And I think you explaining this S curve and that there is this exciting beginning and exciting middle end. Um, I think that's just such helpful language of why why the problems exist. Um, and then maybe how to how to better enable hopefully some of our listeners and our community members of Venture Labs to to tackle them because if you know how to talk about it, um, you can solve it. You can solve those problems easier. Absolutely. If if we can talk about uh, our systems that we're working on, our systems that deliver value to our customers, if we can recognize the fact that they do have a fundamental limit, you can't incrementally improve forever. And so this S-shaped curve describes where your limits are, if you can know where your limits are, you can begin your innovation process long before you're at the top of that curve, long before you've hit that limit. So you can have this, um, you know, business uh, uh, second life, everlasting life. You can keep jumping S curves, keep moving up to a new S curve and keep adding more and more value to, uh, to the customers you serve. That's awesome. Ben, I, I'm speechless. So if I'm speechless now after our first, <laughs> our first segment, I'm in trouble for the next two. Wow, that was, 
that was fun. So guys, now we're going to jump from talking about innovation as a system and as a whole to how the work at the beginning and the end of the S-curve looks different. So stay tuned. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.